All right, welcome everybody to another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging presented by LexBlog. This is Bob Ambrogi. I am a blogger in my own right at uh, Law Sites Blog. Uh, and uh, this is where we speak to lawyers who blog, uh, who are prominent legal bloggers, uh, about how, why they do it, how they do it, how they keep at it, and, and, and much more. Uh, today, we are going to be speaking with Jay Scott Key of the Georgia Criminal Appellate Law Blog. Scott, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing real well. Thanks. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, and uh, let me just, uh, before we go any farther, remind our listeners that this will be recorded and available on YouTube at youtube.com slash LexBlog, where you can find our whole series. We've, we've done uh, several weeks worth of this so far, and we're going to keep at it for a while. So, uh, so Scott, just uh, just uh, I'd like to just start by asking asking guests how they're doing in this crazy time, apart from blogging and lawyering and everything else we do. Doing pretty well. One, if there's ever a form of law that is you can practice during a pandemic, and I never thought I'd have to think about that sort of thing before. It's appellate. You can e-file everything, your transcripts. You can just read from anywhere. So, um, appellate practice sort of lends itself to a pandemic, it turns out. So it's been, everything's been great over here. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I feel like I have, I can catch up a little bit these days. Yeah, that that's a good thing. Um, just, just getting started, getting caught up and, and whatnot. I, I, uh, uh, before we get to your blog, I have to say, I was, I was looking at your, your, uh, background and, and we have in common that we were both English majors as undergraduates, uh, and uh, and I like that you also uh, work on your school newspaper, your school's literary magazine. So uh, you've got the writing is in you somewhere already, I guess. Huh? Somewhere, <laughs> deep, <laughs> somewhere. very deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I mean, do you think it, do you think it's helped you with blogging over the years that you had a, a background in, in literature and English? I think it yeah, absolutely does. I've written a bunch of papers, and um, you know, enjoy the written word, enjoy the you know, enjoy writing. So I think enjoying it is probably as big, if not bigger than aptitude, uh, for sure. And you also had a major, uh, in, uh, in, uh, theology and, uh, you in fact got a, a master of divinity degree in, in addition, uh, before going to law school. So, so how did you get from studying uh, English and theology to becoming a criminal lawyer? I, uh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> You know, as a college student, you know, I always thought I was headed to law school, and I don't think I ever thought I wasn't headed to law school. Um, I ended up taking a double major in religion as an undergrad and loved the coursework so much that I wanted to continue studying in that. And I think at some point in time, I thought I was going to go on and be a religion professor. Um, third year of law school, I cross-registered. I went to Emory. I cross-registered. Uh, a class that you could get credit for either in the law school um, or in the theology school. And um, really that rekindled my thoughts about going to law school. So then I ended up just going from there uh, to law. The criminal part, I'm not really sure. I think it's just because I interned um, at a, at a criminal defense firm and um, criminal defense attorneys don't like to write. And they figured out at the firm I was in that, they, that I like to write. And um, I started doing all of their appellate work, and that's kind of how the, all of that started. So has your practice almost continuously been mostly appellate, or have you also done the trial work as well? 
I've done some trial work. I'm, I may jury try one or two a year. Like, um, I, the last I did a, I did a drug, a federal drug conspiracy in the middle district of Georgia two summers ago. And then in that same summer, I did a pretty significant, um, very medically intense, um, uh, child abuse case that same. So, you know, I may do three or four in a year and I may go stretches of year, a year or more where I don't try a case. Um, but you know, for every trial I'll do, I I may do five or six oral arguments at the appellate court. So I'm, I'm definitely more of an appellate lawyer than a trial lawyer, but I, I do some trial work still. Yeah. Uh, and did I, did I read on your blog that you're, you're starting to uh, to uh, cross over into a little bit of civil work as well? I'm starting to pivot um, yeah. into into some personal injury work. Um, and I've, I've done that at the appellate level um, for a couple of years. And I'm I'm going to I'm going to pivot that to that in a probably in a bigger way in the next couple of months to years. So that's a new blog you'll have to start. Yeah, I have, to, I have to do two. I have to not keep up with two bags. <laughs> Good. Um, so interestingly, and this is the second week in a row this has happened. Uh, if I got, if I have it right, we are almost like a week or so within the tenth birthday of your blog. It looks like your blog started in July ten years ago last week. Does that sound right? Now that you say it, it sounds right, but I can't imagine I've been doing this for ten years. Well, I've got uh, yeah. July two thousand and ten was the first post I could I, I could see in your blog. So okay. ten years ago. <laughs> um, do you, so why like you know looking back ten years ago, why did you get started down this road of blogging? Ten years ago, it was almost exclusively marketing related. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have more of a web presence and, and I wanted it to be a thing that I use for marketing. And I'll just tell you, that's definitely changed. You know, my, the reasons why I blog have gotten a lot more complicated, um, from then. Um, but, but certainly it was a, it was, you know, a pure marketing motive at the time. Um, but it's, it's, it's since become much more than that. Yeah. So when it was a pure marketing motive, when you started out, who were you marketing to? Were you marketing to other lawyers to get appellate work from them or are you marketing to criminal defendants? I thought that I was marketing direct clients when I started blogging. I learned over time that I was really marketing to other lawyers that would that would act as referral sources. And I have found over time that those clients who have found me on the internet without it being mediated through a referral generally are not great clients. Sometimes they are, but generally it's, it, what I've learned is it's definitely something that I now aim toward um, other lawyers and not so much directly to clients. The value in, in the sense of clients finding me, I think, it's not, it's not a great mecha. I mean, clients will find you that way, yeah. but maybe not, maybe not the right clients for you where I find that the blog is very helpful to me with clients is if they already have my name from some other source, if they've already been referred to me, they're already looking into me for whatever reason. I find that the blog and the body of work that I've built having blog now, I guess for a decade is it, is the clients get to know who I am. 
they get to know how I think they get to know how I approach things, how I solve problems and they get to learn a little bit about me and they get to learn a lot about the process um, from looking at that body of work. So where it's, where it's helpful for marketing is I think it, it gives me some credibility when people are, who have already heard about me are trying to learn more about me. I mean, I, th- I think that's a really key value of a blog. I think you just put your finger on it because it's it's not just fluff that you're writing on a web page. It's, it's stuff that you're writing that demonstrates your knowledge of, of a particular topic. It, it tells something about who you are and what you know. Does that make yeah, sense absolutely. to you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. Th- and I'll I'll tell you now. It's I, I feel like now it's more if something's bothering me in the middle of the night that I want to just get out on paper. The blog is a really good place to try to figure out what I think about things. So I, I'd say now, whenever I write a blog, whenever I write a post, I feel like the body of work is there. Like, you know, it's all there. It, it accumulates. But for me, it, it's now a place where I can sort of work out my thoughts on topics. Um, it, it's, it, I think I now blog for me more than anything else. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's funny. A couple of things you just said that I want to follow up on one. It's funny because I was just, I, I just came across a post on your blog where I think you said something like, excuse me, I'm writing this at two o'clock in the morning or something. Excuse the typo. So, uh, yeah, I, I know how that goes. Although I tend to like, you know, I'll jot something down on a piece of paper and then I'll get up in the morning and write it down. I don't, I don't actually get up and do the writing, but I, <laughs> something about the head working in the middle of the night that, that, uh, you need to get it out sometimes. But, right. but, but you talked about how you've changed over the years in the kinds of stuff you're writing about. So, so tell us more about that. I mean, how have you, how has that evolved for you? I think at the very beginning, um, at the very beginning, it was, my motive was, okay, how can I connect directly with clients? I think the more you are like that, the less credible your blogging is. Because, you know, we all, we've all seen those blogs where people are like their blog post is top five things you should do if you've been in an accident, you know, and, and all right. of that, all of that looks, I don't know, maybe scammy is too bad of a word to use, but that no, doesn't look very, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that doesn't look very authentic. Yeah. Um, and, and they probably so, didn't write it either. And they probably didn't really write it themselves, yeah. but now it is, you know, for instance, um, and we're, you know, I'm here in the middle of the South, you know, we're, I'm in the Atlanta area. Um, I'm in a small town, you know, my, my office is in a small town, the Confederate Memorial in the square that is literally, you can walk out my door and see it is, is coming down in a few weeks. And, um, you know, the last blog post I wrote was reflecting on what it means to have practiced law your entire career. And you've walked by one of those things, one of those Confederate monuments in just about every courthouse you've ever walked into and never really thought about that. And um, so my latest blog post just is is a reflection on Confederate monuments and their proximity to courthouses and what that all means as a lawyer that practices. And so I did a very – that was one of those middle-of-the-night blog posts. So I think now it's me trying to get just some thoughts on paper to figure out what I believe about certain things uh, more so than it is. uh, It's definitely more a conversation with myself. Um, I hope that it – helps other people as well, but it's, it's much more, a an internal thing now, um, than it, than it used to be. Yeah. 
a blog post, by the way, in which your maybe maybe your uh, English major roots come through because you you quote Faulkner in there, and uh, I don't know how many how many lawyers are quoting Faulkner in their in their blog posts, but that's a good thing. Well, did, did you get well, response? <laughs> well, that's true. It is the South too. Uh, did you get uh, did you get response? Do you get when you write posts like that? Do do you get feedback? Do you hear from people? I about do, that? I do, I do hear back from people about that. Um, who will you know? Just I didn't think about it that way before. Like you really, you really made me think about this topic. So yeah, I'll get colleagues that'll give me a ring. Um, I, believe it or not, I'll even have judges um, that'll call me up about things that I've written or who 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 I'll see at a at an event uh, back when we used to have events. Um, who will um, you know talk to me about some blog post? So yeah, de- definitely I'll get and I, I tend to get more feedback on the non explicitly legal blog posts that I do. Right. Then those are just, you know, you know, hot and heavy talking about a case or uh, about the practice of law. Yeah, I think it's really funny that it, it's really hard to predict what kind of a blog post will get the most reaction or the most feedback. I mean, sometimes the ones that I, I've written that I've, I think would be the least likely to generate a, a big response or maybe they're, or they're maybe the most off topic for me are sometimes the ones that just, you know, are the ones that, that hit a nerve somewhere and, and just get that much more response. So it's interesting you say that. And you I, I, just mentioning judges. I, do you still, I saw it in your bio, and I don't know if this is still current, that you, that you teach a course with Judge Judge Stephen Dillard? I do, yeah. He's he no I stranger teach. to social media himself. No, no, he's not. <laughs> he and I teach, um, and we've done it two years in a row, and we're hoping the law school will invite us back. Um, we teach Georgia Appellate Practice and Procedure. Uh, we co-teach that class every spring at Mercer Law School. Um, and he's a he's so much fun uh, to teach a class with. A uh, good friend. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, Judge Delore and I teach together. Yeah. I think he's like, yeah, I think he won some uh, Twitter personality of the year award or something like that. It's oh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> doubt that at all. Yeah. So, um, you know, you started out, sort of with one idea in mind for why you wanted to be blogging. It's, it's evolved over the years. What about in terms of your own career? Do you think that having been doing this blog for 10 years has had an impact on your career in any way? And if so, what, what, what impact has it had? So I think, I think the impact has been that it's a place I can go to clarify my thinking. It's a, it's a, it's a place I can go to, think out loud, to write about topics that, um, that, you know, where you can get very, if you do, if you're a lawyer and you practice particularly in one type of law, you can get a tunnel vision where all you're ever doing is writing briefs and motions and letters. And I do think it gives me a literary outlet to develop my writing beyond a very constricted sense of developing my writing. I think it's been really good for that. Um, I think it's been good for me to build over time a body of work that a potential client can can look to uh, to get to know me. I think it's had a tremendous impact. You know, it's interesting to be in front of a judge who on a break will say, you know, hey, I loved your you know, I'm your I read your blog and I really like this post that you did last week about, you know, whatever, Um, you know, the the local. the local NPR affiliate in Atlanta a couple of years ago decided that they wanted for a couple of weeks in the summer to do a roundup of uh, precedent from the Supreme Court 
and I was invited to come and do commentary um, on public radio, you know, a few weeks in a row. So, you know, I think I've, I've had opportunities like that from uh, from doing a blog post. I've had reporters, you know, reach out to me as an expert in a particular field of law to, you know, sometimes on the record, sometimes off the record to um, help them with the story they're working on. So I think it's been a, an interesting conduit with the press. Um, so it's I think it really has opened doors for me that probably, you know, may not have been opened otherwise. Yeah. And again, I mean, that's, you know, a theme we hear over and over again. I mean, it's funny because, as a matter of fact, just just last week, the guest we had on the show was talking about the exact same thing, that NPR had reached out to her when they were doing a story on something because they had found her through her blog and read what she was writing about and uh, gotten in contact with her. Um, and the other point that you just made is is about kind of kind of you know stretching your your writing muscles, I, I guess, in a sense. I mean, obviously, you were literary, you were a writer before you started uh, even becoming a lawyer. Um, but so many lawyers get stuck into a way of writing that is so formal and rigid. Uh, and you know, I wonder if, as an appellate lawyer, you know, you have certain, probably feel like you have certain constrictions you have to follow in writing briefs and in, 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 in uh, doing your formal legal writing. And, uh, you know, do you think that by, by blogging that helps you, helps you in your it, legal writing? It absolutely cross pollinates. I mean, I think it absolutely, I think, because I think, I think a blogging voice is very different from, um, you know, from an advocate's voice, right. it, it, you know, at the, at the edges, but I do think that that in doing a law blog, you you have to be kind of you want to be informal and relatable, but I think you want to write with some authority as well. And I think I think the the sort of informality because you know you can make a blog post wherever you want to make it, and I think the 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 creative side of blogging definitely, particularly in crafting a statement of facts, I think it definitely works the other direction and it and it keeps my writing muscles a little bit more creative when I'm writing a brief because there there's a there's enormous room for creativity and um, expression and um, writing in a particular style that's your own um, in in legal briefing that you know if you're not careful if you're not careful you'll just write like every other lawyer that writes legal briefs or you'll you know, like I'll have lawyers call me and they're writing a motion for whatever, and they'll say, "Do you have a motion for whatever?" And you know, my response is, "Well, have you ever thought about just opening Microsoft Word up and styling something motion to and just write it? Have you ever thought about just?" I mean, and so I think we tend, I think lawyers tend to borrow bad writing from each other. Yeah. Um, and I have less of a tendency to go from a form. Um, because I'm writing in this other outlet than I think I would otherwise do. Yeah, and I and I bet that makes your brief writing much more effective. I mean, you know, judges judges are readers too, and and uh, I, I'm sure that something uh, creative. Uh, well, we we've all seen examples of, of super creative briefs from time to time that have either uh, that have either uh, crashed and burned <laughs> or or that have been uh, high, highly successful. But uh, you know, I'm sure judges, like any other reader, kind of get bored with the same old stuff all the time coming across there. Oh, ima you know, imagine your job every day just to open up, you know, a bunch of 
you know, a bunch of things that are on your desk that start off comes now the defendant heretofore, you know, just imagine just having to read that all day long, all the time. I mean, you don't, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah. So uh, so, some of the, some lawyers that I talk to who are either just getting into blogging or who are thinking about getting into blogging often find the very aspect that you're talking about it to be somewhat daunting. The, the idea of how do they begin to not write like a lawyer or how do they begin to develop a voice as a blogger? What would you recommend? What, what advice do you have to offer somebody who's just getting trying to trying to develop that voice? Well, you you will get that voice with practice. And so, you know, you're it, it you may not be great at it the first, you know, 10 or 15 that you do. You you may not, you know, you may not know how to do it yet. I think I think number one, take the pressure off of yourself. Um a blog post is a, you know, it's a it's kind of a journal that you're sharing with the public. So, you know, it can't be like your diary. You need to be really careful about that. And you don't want to overshare because it is a professional setting. But but on the other hand, you're not filing this with the Supreme Court. You're not handing this to your literature professor. Uh, You you don't you don't every blog post doesn't have to. In fact, your blog posts don't need to be, you know, some big sprawling document because no one's going to read that. You can you can write a couple of paragraphs and they're great. Uh, you know, you look at you look at a blogger out, outside of the legal context, like a Seth Godin. And he's probably written every single day for the past 15 years. But most of his blog posts are a paragraph or two. Sometimes his blog posts are a sentence or two. Sometimes they're really lengthy blog posts. But what I would say to lawyers is you don't your your blog posts don't have they don't have to be a masterpiece. But the more you do it the more fun it will be. And I think the other thing is don't, you know, if, 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 if you're thinking about marketing, if you're thinking about getting more clients, if you're thinking about getting better cases, you're thinking about building your reputation. I think you're probably focused on the wrong things. I think those things are the results of blogging, but ultimately you should write your blog for you. It should be something that's yours, whose audience is you. And I think if you do that and you, if, you are, if you're authentic, if you're not writing what you think a client or a judge wants to hear, but you're writing to express who you are to get some idea out that you'd like to sort of see on paper, I think you'll find that as a side benefit, all those results will come. I feel like we should just stop this interview right now. I mean, I, I think you've just summed up everything I believe about blogging. Uh, I mean, that that's so important. And I, and I think... What happens sometimes with lawyers is, you know, maybe it has to do with the motivation for why they're blogging. And as you said, if they're doing it because of marketing, because they if they think they should be or maybe somebody in their firm is telling them they should be doing it. I think that makes it a lot harder for them. I I think there has to be, you know, passion may be too strong of a word, but you have to have some degree of really investing yourself in it, wanting to be doing it. it. It has to be something that you're personally motivated to want to do, I think. And and you can't just be doing it because someone in your firm says, we need, we, we're designating you as our official blogger. Now go to it, <laughs> bring in business. Well, and, and I think the, and I think the world, and I know there's a zillion blogs 
there's a zillion blogs that people start and they do it for a couple of months and they never blog again. Right. But I, and, but I, this is going to maybe be controversial, but I think there aren't, I think the world needs more good bloggers. I think, um, and I think particularly in the era of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I think in the era of social media and, and social media is a good supplement to blogging, but, but I think there's a lot of very thin conversations where people are talking past each other and shouting each shouting at each other on the internet that when you blog, even if it's for just a couple of paragraphs, you're developing a thought from start to finish in a way that you don't do on Twitter with your character limitations in a way that you don't do on Facebook. that's sort of designed to get people at each other. I think there's some, there's a value to a thoughtful expression in the written form that you don't necessarily get. Uh, now, Facebook can be a great place to share your blog post, but um, but there's there's something about blogging that I think is is missing. Even though we're probably communicating with each other on social media on the internet more than ever before, I don't know how meaningful it is these days. And blogging is a little different from all of that. Well, you're speaking to people from Lexblog, so it's not going to be controversial here for you to say there should be more <laughs> bloggers. We're all for that idea and uh, never let it be said otherwise. Um, but, you know, how how do you or do you do you maintain or perpetuate that conversation? I mean, once once you develop a rapport with readers, once you develop readers, as you say, we're not on Twitter, not Facebook. How do you interact with them? How do you uh, maintain that relationship? Well, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I really don't know <laughs> right. the impact that it had. You know, yeah. the, the other thing that I used to do all the time and I stopped doing is I used to, I used to always want to look at um, my numbers. I used to always want to look at the analytics on my blog. And it, like, I would just tell you if you're starting off for like the first year, maybe two, just don't look at that stuff. Because you'll get depressed. I mean, you'll get depressed. I mean, probably if I look now, I might be depressed. I don't know. You know, um, I will. I will take. You know, just you know, maybe if my blog gets one reader, and that reader is a justice on the Supreme Court somewhere, that that's the reader I needed. Right. Or or if that or if that reader is a lawyer that's going to refer me a great case, um, maybe that's the one reader that I needed. Um, but how do I keep the conversation going? I'll, I'll link out my blog post generally to Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, and that'll, that'll help distribute it and sort of increase awareness. But a lot of times I won't know. A lot of times a year will go by and I'll see somebody at a bar event and they'll go, I really like that post you wrote about. And it may be something I, I vaguely remember. So a lot of times you don't know the conversation that you've started um, and yeah. but sometimes people will just call me up and they'll have read something. So a lot of times you're just throwing it out there. And it's like the proverbial letter in a bottle and you just don't know, right. you, know you don't, you don't know. Right. And it's not about how many people are reading your blog. It's about who, who's reading your blog ultimately. And, and are you reaching the audience that you're hoping to reach in some way and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and making an impact on them or at least being felt by them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, 
I, 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 I think I've, I've picked up that, that maybe you're not blogging with the same frequency you once blogged uh, from some of not your posts all. recently. No, not, a, no, not but, at all. But so, so how, how do you, where do you get ideas and how do you decide when to write and, and what to write about? Usually, usually the idea comes from something that makes me mad or something that, <laughs> or, or, or something that, um, or something that I'm deeply worried about or something I don't know what I think about. Um, and so literally I think now I blog if something's really bothering me at some level and I want to work it out and I want to work it out on the page. So if you look at my most recent post about the whole Confederate memorial thing, the Confederate monument thing, that was me trying to think through uh, some ideas. So, so generally now it's there's something I just have to get out on paper. Um, now, I, mean, I think if you're starting a blog, now, so I don't have the luxury of doing that because I've been blogging for 10 years yeah. and there's a ton of posts there. So if you want to figure out how I think or what I think or how I approach the world, I think you'll probably get that from my blog posts you know, over 10 years. So I probably should be writing more frequently than I am. Um, but I think now I blog when I feel like I need to. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still blogging about Georgia criminal appellate law? I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, um, I, I wrote about, I think I wrote a, case, a blog about sovereign immunity a little bit ago and uh, um, some, you know, a case will come out. Yeah, yeah, I actually read that with Andrew. It's a big, it's a big issue right now in, in well, in a lot of states, but in Massachusetts right now, where I'm a lobbyist and part of my job, and and we're dealing with that very issue. So, uh -huh. so, so yeah, so so legal topics will certainly, uh, will certainly uh, still strike my fancy. Teaching a class, a lot of times the student will ask something, and it'll prompt some idea. So generally, I do, so sometimes if a lawyer calls and asks you a question about something they're struggling with. As long as you can make it kind of, mis you know, as long as you're not revealing facts, a lot of times ideas for posts will come from just things I deal with or, you know, some case I'll come upon. You know, you know, the, the great thing about practicing the law is you you have no shortage, particularly if you're a criminal defense attorney, you have no shortage of interesting, weird stories. Like every day, you know, something weird happens that right. you can write about. Right. Do you ever write about your own cases? Uh, only if it's a published case um, and it sets some precedent. So in other words, if it's already out there, it's already setting a precedent. If it's a case I'm working on, no, I won't yeah. do that because, yeah. you know, the, the client deserve, the client doesn't need to be doesn't doesn't need to be made a character in my blog. And so I will write about a case if it's a published opinion. And it establishes some precedent, but I'm not going to go inside baseball about that unless it's like some writing technique or some technical thing or unless it was something that was already kind of public. I'm very, very careful about writing about my cases because I think the client deserves, you know, not to be part of it. And, and I think if it's ever borderline, I'll ask, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask the client first, but I generally stray away from that. Yeah. You, you talked about uh, about uh, putting your, your, your personality in, into your writing. Uh, any other tips on just on writing a blog post on what makes a successful blog post in your mind or a readable blog post? I think maybe you can take the pressure off of yourself and pretend, pretend that you're writing an email to a friend. Um, 
In other words, like you don't, no one ever gets writer's block when they're writing an email to a buddy. People don't tend to get writer's block when they're doing a post on Facebook. So I think take the formality out of it, at least in the first draft. Um, give yourself permission to write a terrible first draft. Um, I think just if you can sort of re- if you can sort of reframe it and like, you know what, I'm going to write this like it's an email to a buddy. Um, sometimes that, that helps take the pressure off. So just, I think you can be, as long as you're professional, as long as you're, you have a professional voice and you're not oversharing, um, I think that you, you don't, you know, a, a blog doesn't have to be formal it, 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 and it doesn't have to be a lengthy post. So you just take the pressure off of yourself and, and it can be a couple of, ideally it probably should be just a couple of paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea of giving yourself permission to write a crappy first draft. I, I just in my own writing, I, I, I don't, I don't do a lot of redrafting actually, but I'll, I'll often write something maybe at night before I'm going to post it the next morning. I'll go back the next morning and I'll read it and I'll say, this is boring as hell. <laughs> and I'll completely rewrite it just just because I it just I'm looking at it almost as a, as a reader, uh, you know, by, by the next morning. And I just realized I've just written a really boring blog post. Um, so there is something to be said for just uh, coming revisiting it, I think. Sometimes I'll even sometimes I'll even write it in longhand. Like I love fountain pens. So sometimes I'll just write it out. on. You are a writer. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, you know, I'm I'm a I'll collect fountain pens. So sometimes. I'll just write it out in longhand and then I'll type it up. Yeah. So you can always do that. Yeah. Uh, any other advice to somebody who's who's new to blogging, uh, just starting out in blogging, even just thinking about blogging, uh, other than sort of you know writing style per se? We've and I know we've talked about personality and passion, but uh, anything else that you'd offer by way find, of advice? Find some blogs that you like. Uh, they don't even have to be in law. Maybe maybe half of them shouldn't be in law. Um, that have open comments and, uh, maybe get your start, maybe get started going on some other blogs for some people that you like, or you admire and, and comment on their blog posts. Um, and, and, and I, I think maybe reading a lot is as important. And then, you know, cause it's a dialogue, you know, a right. blog ultimately is a dialogue. And so, get in the habit of going out and finding some blogs, you know, some blogs that you enjoy and comment on those blog posts. Um, and then maybe you, you don't even, have, you don't even have to invent posts yourself. I and mean, literally you could find some blogger that you disagree with mm-hmm. and go, Scott Key said on this blog post, whatever about Confederate monuments. I think he's a moron. Like I totally disagree <laughs> right. with Scott Key and here's why. And then link Scott Key and hope that he comments on you, you know, and you can, you can, you you can, you can, you don't have to have an original idea ever. You can just sort of comment on other people's. Yeah. Uh, Not to put you on the spot, but any one or two that you blogs that you really like to read that you, you'd mention? Well, I so I mentioned Seth Godin to not, you know, not a, not a law blogger and, you know, any, anybody that does criminal is reading Scott Greenfield, you know, simple yeah. justice. That's, yeah. um, like that, you know, I, I love reading some Greenfield. I disagree with him a good bit of the time. Um, but I, I, I love Scott Greenfield. I think he's a great writer. Um, I just, I love his blogging voice and, um, I'll look at Greenfield probably every day. 
a great writer, and he's, he's an example of what you just said in the sense he's often just riffing off of something in the news or something else mm -hmm. that somebody else wrote or, or something like that. He's he's often reacting in his blog post to something that that got him angry, <laughs> kind of kind right. of like you. Uh, and uh, but yeah, he's a great writer and uh, and, and a prolific one uh, as well. Um, well, Scott, I really appreciate uh, any any final words before we wrap up. Uh, uh, any words of wisdom you want to share? No, thanks so much for the opportunity to come in. And I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're like a blogging titan yourself. So it's a, it's an honor to be uh, talking to you today, and uh, and enjoyed having this conversation. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure to get to get to know you and talk to you, and uh, I look forward to continuing to to follow your blog and uh, watch watch for the next thing that gets you up in the middle of the night. <laughs> and uh, it'll probably, happen soon. Yeah. Uh, to uh, everybody who's listening right now, uh, a reminder once again that this and all of these episodes are available on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash LexBlog, and that we will be back next Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, and our guest next week is Lindsay Griffiths, author of the Zen in the Art of Legal Networking blog. So uh, watch for that. This is Bob Ambrogi on behalf of LexBlog. Thanks for watching and listening. Have a good weekend, everybody.